Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Those of you who were here Monday night... I talked for just a few minutes on this and didn't intend to teach on it tonight, but uh, uh, I could only, you know, it's Monday night prayer. I don't have time usually to to talk very long because we want to spend our time praying. So I just talked briefly on this subject, but then the Lord dealt with me about going into more detail tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, the background to what? Paul is writing here in, in 1 Corinthians, he wrote to the church and had to correct, he's one of these pastors that corrects things, you know, he had to correct the church at Corinth because they had some things going on that shouldn't be going on. There was some division and strife in the church and uh, people were aligned one with another and, and for different preachers, I'm, a, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I, you know, uh, so a lot of stuff going on. But then he talked about a man in the church who had uh, taken up uh, uh, living, he was living with his, cohabitating with his stepmother. And uh, the church there in Corinth hadn't done anything about it. They hadn't uh, confronted the man. They were just letting this man live in, in open sin in the church. And Paul dealt with that and told them how to take care of it and how they were to, to turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so this man's spirit would be saved in the, in the day of, of judgment. So uh, the second... The, the church evidently did that because in the second epistle, he refers back to this. And um, referring to this incident, let's start in verse number. Well, we'll just start in verse two, verse 1. But I ter- determined this within myself that I would not come again to you in sorrow. Uh, for if I make you sorrowful, then who is he who makes me glad but the one who is made sorrowful by me? And I wrote this very thing to you, lest when I came I should have sorrow over those from whom I ought to have joy, having confidence in you all that my joy is the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote to you with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you you might know the love which I have so abundantly for you. But if anyone has caused grief, he has not grieved me, but all of you to some extent, not to be too severe. It's talking about the fact that this Man had caused the church grief. Anytime sin or division gets in a church, it it's causes grief in the church. It brings about uh, a situation that's very unhealthy uh, for church growth and, and, and disturbs people and just causes all kind of problems. He went on to say this punishment that I referred to a moment ago, which was inflicted by the majority, is sufficient for such a man. So that on the contrary, you ought rather to forgive and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. For to this end, I also wrote that I might put you to the test whether you are obedient in all things. Now, whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. And this is a verse that I emphasized on Monday night. Verse 11 says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us. 
for we are not ignorant of his devices. When there is division and uh, uh, people taking sides one against another, we call that division, we call it strife, schism, so, so forth. It, it causes all kinds of trouble and it's one of the primary ways the devil works to try to stop what God's doing in a church. Amen. And so anytime God is moving, anytime God is, the church is taking, uh, uh, is advancing spiritually. And we are right now. We're in a, in a, in a, in a state of revival. The presence of God has been very strong in, in our services. No two services are the same. Sometimes it's just important to have a teaching service like we have tonight. Not necessarily any gifts of the Spirit in operation. Other times we have, we completely set aside uh, the teaching and preaching for the service and just let the Spirit of God move. But uh, that's, that's, uh, that's a healthy church. And we're so thrilled that God is moving in our church. It's so holy. It's so holy. His presence is so holy. But we need to be on guard because in the history of this church, and I'm sure it's true everywhere, you don't have a lot of experience anywhere else. <laughs> Seeing how I founded this church and haven't pastored any other church but this one. So uh, the, the history we've had here is over and over again when God begins to move, the devil always tries to bring something up to divide people and to separate people. It's happened over and over again. And, uh, and so uh, we don't need to be ignorant of this. We can be ignorant in, in a lot of different ways. One way is just being, being ignorant because we don't know. Another type of ignorance is amnesia. We know it, but we forget about it. And so we don't need to be ignorant of his devices because his devices are consistent. He always does the same thing. And so uh, I, I want us to be on guard against this. And I said this Monday night, not because I'm aware of anything going on, because I'm not. I'm not aware of anybody being in strife with anybody or anybody being upset. I'm not aware of any of that. I'm not saying that some of you might not be having issues with one another, but I don't know anything about it. So this isn't based on, on anything I see. This is based on knowing what the devil does and how we can take advantage. We don't let him take advantage of us. We can take advantage of what we know to stop these things from happening. Amen? And so... Uh, I don't usually teach with my tablet, but I am tonight, so bear with me. <clears throat> Notice he said in, uh, in verse number seven, forgive and comfort. Whenever there is a difficult situation in the church where people are, uh, are taking offense with one another, whether it's, doesn't matter who it is, forgive and comfort is, is an important key. Uh, I want you to go with me to uh, Jude, the third chapter, the third verse rather, Jude verse 3. Epistle of Jude just has one chapter. And see, it's not, it's not just the responsibility of the pastor to guard against this. It's not just the responsibility of the ministry staff uh, or any certain group of people. It's everybody's responsibility to guard against this, to take a stand in the spirit and say, you know what, that's not happening. We are not letting the devil derail what God's doing. Amen. It's everybody's responsibility, so we all need to be vigilant here. 
In Jude chapter 3, I'm going to start, or, or verse 3, I keep saying chapter, verse 3. Uh, we'll read verse 3 and 4. And it, it sounds like uh, that he's talking about somebody coming in from outside the church. And, and, and he is talking about that. He's talking about uh, wolves that come in from outside to try to devour a flock. He is talking about that. But there's some application to just things that go on within the body and, and within people that know one another. So we'll, we'll explain that as we go along. Verse 3 says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write you concerning your common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Notice he said it's everybody's job to contend for the faith. It's everybody's job in the church to stand resolute and say, we're going to walk in love with one another. We're going to be a forgiving church. We're going to be a compassionate church. And, but we're not going to allow the devil to get, a, to get a foothold. He said in verse 4, For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So he is obviously talking about something that's something that is out of the ordinary, very ungodly people. These are imposters. These are not Christians. These are people who, who've been sent there by the devil. So we can see that. But let's drop on down to verse number 16. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. You know, when somebody starts flattering you, that ought to be a red flag. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. And grumbling and complaining isn't just uh, uh, the purview of people from outside. Grumbling and complaining is wrong if it goes on anytime. It doesn't matter who it is. Now, let me, let, me, let me say something before I go any further. Uh, in the early days of the charismatic movement, uh, I thank God that when I got back in a fellowship with the Lord, I was immediately exposed to the word of faith, which was very sound, very, very strong emphasis on the word of God. And so there was no room in, in, and there is no room in word of faith doctrine for weird theories and just uh, things that, that in, the charisma, in the broader charismatic world, there were a lot of practices and a lot of, of so-called doctrine or doctrinettes, whatever you want to call it, ideas that people had that were based on one little verse of scripture taken out of context and people built a whole movement almost around it. And there were all kinds of weird stuff going on. And uh, so I'm glad that I, I got exposed right away to a solid word of faith and word-oriented uh, uh, message. Uh, one of the things that was very prominent in the charismatic world in the early 70s, when I got back in the fellowship of the Lord, mid-70s, I guess, was this notion that uh, there, there's a couple of times or several times in the Old Testament where it says, touch not God's anointed. And, and the idea was promoted that, that the pastor or the elder or whoever was over a church, 
that you couldn't, if you said anything about him or criticized him or, or said anything, you had to just basically obey and not even, and not even, uh, not even think for yourself. That is a complete abuse of the scriptures. Amen. God puts a pastor uh, over a church. God raises up a pastor. In our case, God sent us here and we founded the church. Uh, and God puts a pastor in authority. But in, 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 in one sense of the word, in a, in a very real sense of the word, a pastor is accountable to his congregation. Now, I'm accountable for correction to people outside the congregation, other elders who are on the same status, have the same ministry that I have, and those over me, and men that, that I look to that can speak into my life. All pastors have to have people like that that, that they talk to or are accountable to and, and, uh, and so forth. But in the, at the same time, a pastor on one level is still accountable to his, to his own people. Pastor just can't run over people, and pastors can be wrong. Now, you're looking out at me, and you're going, well, duh. We know you. We know that's true, because you, I, I'm trying to be open about the mistakes I make, because in, every one of us are human, and so to, there, you can get into a lot of error by taking this this uh, position that you can never challenge the, you know, the man of God. You can't speak any, you can't say, well, that, that's not true. If something's unscriptural, if something's not right, uh, uh, there is a way to present that. And, and unless a pastor is super insecure, he should be open to receiving comments from people as long as they're in the right, in the right spirit. You know what I mean? So I want to I want to make sure that you understand that I'm not uh, saying that. But at the same time, God does give uh, pastors the leadership position, and uh, people can let little things that ought not be big things. The enemy can get in, make those big things, and make them a big church issue. When if you would just step back, I think of all of the things that have happened in the past and people who've been disgruntled and who've left unhappy, if they'd have just stepped back and taken a breath, really wasn't a big deal. I mean, we went right on, and God's still moving, and still people are being blessed, but those people aren't. Not where, they're, not where they're supposed to be. They're not, they were supposed to be being blessed here. But they, they got out of the will of God for their lives over something that really wasn't, in the end, a very big deal. So anyway, uh, grumbling and complaining is something that uh, can generate strife. There are some people, and I'm not, I'm not thinking, literally, I'm not thinking about anybody in particular. It's just a general statement. There are some people that are just grumblers. Nothing makes them happy. I mean, they grumble without even thinking about it. They don't like the temperature in the building. It's cold in here. They always have it so cold. I don't know why it's so cold. They just make a big deal out of it. Well, you know, wear a sweater. Not everybody is as cold as everybody else is. And, uh, yeah, we could turn it down to 40, you know, and that would be an abuse. But, you know, we try to, we try to make it comfortable for everybody. And then if you, you need to wear a sweater, wear a sweater. Like Scott's wearing. He's wearing a sweater. You know? So uh, there are people who are just grumblers by nature. That needs to be checked. Amen. Verse 19. These are sensual persons who cause divisions not having the spirit. 
uh, at least not yielding to the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in the love of God. See, the more you attend, Mark talked tonight about the importance of being doers of the word. Well, we're talking about being doers tonight. You know, when you talk on love, everybody says amen. Everybody just agrees God's moving and we ought to love one another, but the doing of it. I found that most people are sold out to walking in love until they get crossed. And then all of a sudden, well, this is different. No, it's not different. It's not different. I have to do it. Everybody has to do it. If How many of you belong to a, a natural family? You have relatives. Well, natural families have trouble. Natural families have trouble. There are, if there are two people, just two people married, they're going to have trouble. Now, the whole life shouldn't be troublesome, but they should be happy most of the time, but there will be trouble. Every family has trouble. Every church is going to have some trouble. Well, praise the Lord. I knew that would get your excitement and all stirred up. <laughs> Pray in the Holy Ghost. You build up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, but you also keep yourself in the love of God. If, you, if we would pray in the Spirit more and pray in the Spirit before answering some offense, well, praise the Lord, it'd keep you and me out of trouble. Hallelujah. Go with me to Acts 20. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 20. Paul talked about, he, he had some similar language here in verse number 29. He said, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, from among yourselves, men will rise up. Speaking perverse things, literally in the Greek, that's distorted or twisted things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. The enemy likes to twist things. He likes to distort situations and make them to be about something they're not even about take things out of context and and if you're not if you're not alert and aware of these things this can happen to anybody it can happen to me it can happen to you if we're not if we're not diligent to be looking for the devil and and put a stop when he, when these things first come up and come into our mind we need to say no that's not scriptural that's not right that's not love i'm not thinking that way but we allow ourselves sometimes to feed on these ideas that the enemy brings well we shouldn't do that uh he he went on to say in verse 31 he said Therefore, watch and remember for that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So Paul talked, I'm only talking about this one night. He talked about this for three years. It, it must be serious. And we've been forewarned. Verse 32 is the answer. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The word is the answer. 
He said, I've warned you. I talked to you about this. These things will happen, but I commend you to the word. The word will build you up. The word will put you over. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, uh, when we were praying Monday night, uh, as I was praying, these words just came up. Careful. Be careful. We need to be careful with one another. You know, when, when, uh, when you're interacting with people, when I'm interacting with people, we all need to be careful with one another. Because you never really know what's going on outside of church. You don't know sometimes things that people are dealing with. And sometimes, you know, you might just say something uh, without thinking about somebody's feelings. And people, people get hurt that way. And so the Lord just brought that up. We need to be careful with one another. If we're going to protect ourselves in this move of God, we're going to have to be careful with how we treat one another. Now, generally we are. I'm not saying that we haven't been, but I'm just, I'm just emphasizing this. We need to be careful. That's what the Spirit said. We need to be careful with one another. Uh, we know that uh, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. Remember that in the book of Revelations? I think it's chapter 10, chapter 12, I guess. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. Don't side in with him. I've said this so many times over the years, and I, and, and I don't think it can be overstated or said too often, though I don't really harp on it. When you're talking about a group of born-again people who've got the love of God on the end, the love of God's been shed abroad in our heart. We've been changed. We're not like we were before we were saved. God has come into our lives. His love has been shed abroad in our lives. We have His Spirit on the inside of us. We are not ordinary people. We aren't. And I don't think it's, it's reasonable to think that anybody in this church would intentionally try to do me harm. I mean, as an act of, I'm just going to see if I can just, you know, do something really bad to pastor say something, treat him some way. I just don't believe that's even possible. And I don't think there's anybody that does that to one another here. Not Now, it may seem like somebody has done something to you. May, I mean, it's not going on right now, but I'm just saying it can happen. And it'll seem like that person went out of their way, but that doesn't make sense. Now, if they were unsaved, that would make sense. But for saved people who, who have God on the inside of them, I just don't think there's anybody that intentionally tries to put anybody else down or make anybody else feel bad, insult anybody, treat anybody wrong. It just, it just doesn't make sense. Usually it's a misunderstanding. Usually that person's just not being careful. It's not intentional. It's just not, be, not being careful. Amen? So uh, uh, let's not... Let's not Join, let's not uh, uh, join ourselves to the devil and become accusers of the brethren because that's his game. That shouldn't be our game. Amen. Uh, we know, and we won't read all the scriptures because I'm, I'm running out of time tonight, but we know the importance of a church being in one accord. The day of Pentecost was fully come. Uh, they were in one place in one accord and the spirit fell. 
And we see in several different places in the book of Acts when there was a great move of God, a great uh, something that happened when God did something un- unusually wonderful. It, it, several times it stated that they were in one accord, of one mind. It's so important to be in one accord. Now, that doesn't mean you agree with everybody. doesn't mean you think everybody, you know, people are going to think differently. People are going to see things differently. Now, we strive to see the word the same because the word means what it said. Like Mark says, it's, it's literal. It means what it says. Uh, but things outside the word, just when interacting with one another, you know, we're going to have differences of, of opinions on things. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need to respect one another. Be careful with one another. Amen. Praise the Lord. Go with me to... Uh, Psalm 133. This is a passage most people know, but we don't always quote the whole passage. Psalm 133, verse number 1, says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Now, this isn't just the psalmist David's opinion. He's speaking the word of God. This is God's view. God is saying that it's good and pleasant for brethren to dwell together in unity. Well, what would the opposite of that be? What, what, what is it like for God when, when, when brethren dwell together in disunity? What, what does God think of it? It's not good. And it's not pleasant. Well, we won't, when we come together... Uh, as a church, not just in our, in our services, but as a, as a body of believers, we are very much a body. And, and there, God recognizes individual local churches. There, there is a universal church made up of all believers, but God recognizes individual churches. If you read my book, you'll understand where, where, where Paul made reference to individual churches, the church that was over here and the church that was over there and the church was over there. So God recognizes individual churches. He can call them by name. And he joins people to individual churches. So in, in, in a very real sense, we, we've been brought into a fellowship with one another. And uh, we want God to, to, to find, we want God to, to uh, we want our time together to be pleasant for the Lord. When, when, when it's pleasant... God moves. When it's not pleasant, he doesn't move. If it gets real, really not pleasant, he'll move in some ways that aren't comfortable. But when, when God is moving to bless us, it's, it's because he finds our, our fellowship good and pleasant. Well, we want, to, we want to encourage that. We want to build on that. How good and how pleasant it is to the Lord for brethren to dwell, to dwell together in unity. Verse number two is the one we don't read very often. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. This is a reference to when when Moses took the anointing, special anointing oil, and he poured it on Aaron's head to anoint him as the as the as the high priest. And and you know. We, we anoint people with oil, you know, with a little dab of oil. That's not what the anointing of oil was like. You got soaked with oil. 
he poured this that uh, flask of oil on Aaron's head and it ran down over his face and his beard and dripped off of his clothes. And it, and it was symbolic of the anointing of God. The anointing upon a church is tied to unity. It's tied to unity. The greater the unity, again, that doesn't mean we're all Stepford wives. Younger people don't know what that is. It was... Anyway. We're not all robots. We don't have to all think the same. We don't have to have the same uh, views about life and about things that you can't pin down to the word of God. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about having a spirit of unity. The anointing comes when we walk in unity. God is, he finds it pleasant and he responds by his spirit. And so we need to safeguard that. We, We have something good going on here. I mean, we really do. We've got a wonderful spirit in this church. And so I'm not saying anything here because something's going on that ought not be. I'm just saying we're all human and, and we have to protect what we have. Amen. And uh, so uh, in Philippians chapter 2, I want to read this before I go and quickly give you some, some steps. I'm not going to have time to read that. I'm not going to read that. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm running out of time. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Some very practical words here from the Apostle Paul. Ephesians chapter 4. And let's look at verse number... No, let's, let's first of all start, we'll go to verse 40, uh, 32. Let's start reading verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, this is Ephesians 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness, lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of, of, of peace. Notice he says that we are to, to uh, uh, lowliness just means humility. Humility. Not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Thinking of, of yourself. Be, being willing to, one, one verse that we might not get to over in James. Uh, one translation I read today uh, said something about uh, uh, being, being willing to take less than what you ought to get. Being willing to take less than what's coming to you. In other words, you don't always have to be rewarded. You don't always have to, I don't always have to get my way. If you're married, you have to live that way. It doesn't work any other way. Well, the church is very much a family. And, uh, and, and like I said, it, God thinks it's good and pleasant when we dwell together in unity. You know, if you have, if you have children, how many of you have, when you have little children and you're in the car and you're going on a trip? Mommy! Walker keeps looking at me. Walker, quit looking at your sister. Now, I guarantee you the dad and mom hearing a few episodes, they don't look to one another and go, you hear those kids bickering in the back seat, isn't that sweet? <laughs> no, it's not sweet. It's not pleasant. Amen. 
And uh, no, we need to be, we need to have a, a, an attitude of humility. He says, with, and gentleness. We live in a very uh, abrasive culture. Where, where in the world, the philosophy of the world, if you're going to get ahead, you have to step on people. You have to assert your, your, you have to have your way. You have to make sure you get what you're due or else people will run over you. That ought not be in the church. We need to be gentle with one another. That's a, that's a, that's a, uh, 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 an attitude that's almost unheard of today. You know, other than maybe a husband and wife or, you know, within a local family. We need to be gentle with one another in church. Amen. Bearing with one another. What does that mean? Well, you don't have to bear with one another unless some, the other is not doing well. You bear with one another. You bear with people who are rubbing you the wrong way. That's right. Bear with one another. That means put up with one another. Put things aside. Don't let things fester. Well, glory. These are just some practical things. Bearing with one another. And then in verse 32... He says, be kind to one another. Oh, boy. You know, this is, this is almost a lost art with some Christians. Be kind to one another. You know, if, if, if something's going on in, in the service, somebody asked you to, you know, to do something that, that they need you to do, and you, don't, you just didn't want it, you just, just be kind about it. Don't gripe. Well, I'm going to sit where I want to. Ain't nobody going to tell me where to sit. Well, somebody might ask you to, to, to move for a good reason. Well, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. When it says be imitators of God as dear children... And walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us. The idea is of a child that, you know, little children will imitate their parents. They'll do dress up, you know, and they'll put on, you know, the, the clothes like mom or dad. And they try to, you know, when they're little, they try to imitate dad and mom. We ought to try to imitate God like little children imitate their parents. We ought to try to love one another just like he loves us. Everybody likes to be given grace and mercy and forbearance from God, we ought to give it to one another. We ought to try to imitate God in this. Tender-hearted. I, I, I hope I... I'm, oh, man, out of time, huh? Yeah, I can do next week. I'll tell you this story real quick. It's, it's 845. I'll make this a short story. No, I can't. I can't. It's, it's, we're already out of time. I can't make it a short story because I won't, I won't say what needs to be said. But let me just remember we were on tender-hearted next week. We need to be tender-hearted. You know, that has to be developed and it has to be nurtured. It's very easy in this life to grow hard-hearted. It's very, it's husbands and wives, it's very easy to grow hard-hearted. You have to, you have to work on it. Any married people know what I'm talking about? You have to work on being tender-hearted to one, one another. We have to work on it in a church. And it, it takes some effort. But Paul said we ought to do it. The Holy Ghost said we ought to do it. Amen. So we are going to keep the devil locked outside. 
Amen. I mean, we know he comes to church because he comes to, to, to mess with us, but we can, we, we're going to keep his influence locked away. Amen. Amen. And we're going to let the, 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 the move of the Spirit continue and grow. Glory to God. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to me. Sometimes we need to talk like this. And uh, this is preemptive. Preemptive. Amen. Amen. Nobody's out to get you. If anything, we ought to have the, we ought to have the consciousness that, you know, sister so-and-so, sister brother-so, brother so-and-so, just looks like he's out to bless me. It just looks like he's just made up his mind to bless me. That, that's what ought to be going on. Amen. Praise the Lord. See you Sunday. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.